I'm Lance Meadow, and welcome to another edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast, which you can find on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, and also all your favorite podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe, and if you are on Apple Podcasts, please leave a positive review, five-star review if you like what you hear. For all the Giants podcast offerings, go to Giants.com slash podcasts. Today, our guest is former Giants head coach Jim Fossil. Coach, you got Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegels. Greatly appreciate the time. How's everything today? Hi, Jim. Yeah, looking forward to talking to you guys. Yeah. Well, we're looking Absolutely. forward to talking to you, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with the connection, Jim, and that is the fact that not only did you have the pleasure of crossing paths with Jeff Fiegels back in 1996 when you were the Cardinals offensive coordinator, then you had the double luxury of <laughs> coaching him again in 2003 yeah, when God. he joined the New York Giants. So what was it like? <laughs> to cross paths with Jeff Fiegels, considering over his 20-plus year career, he crossed paths with about every single person that ever <laughs> suited up in NFL history. That's right. Sure <laughs> enough. Well, that's what happens to the players and coaches. You know, we cross paths <laughs> all over the place. But, no, Jeff was a true professional. You know, he took his job seriously. And that's what I was always looking for in a player. They take their job seriously. This isn't – Pop Warner football anymore. This is pro football. Well, I so, do. I you listen. did a good job, Jeff. Well, listen. So did you. And and I tell you, we had some great times uh, in the desert out there in Phoenix, and of course in '03. And um, you know, listen. I tell people all the time, and I'm still here, Jim. I'm still living in Ridgewood, New Jersey. This is going on my 17th year up here because of one 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 thing that you and Ernie, of course, he brought me here um, in 2003, and I've basically never left. And I can't t- tell you how appreciative I am of that and um, being able to still stick with the organization and uh, me and Lance do a lot of work during the season on our pre and post game show so you know we cross paths but you know what we're lifetime friends and I can't thank you enough for that really well that's thank you very much you know for when you're the guys you coach and they call you later and uh, you talk to people and I get calls from different people about you know how, how fun it was and all that stuff and all those things. And I'll be back in there in New Jersey here at, uh, sometime this year because my son's now with the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, I figure I might come back for that game. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't, we don't. Yeah, I think so. We don't like to talk about that star <laughs> on the helmet kind of group around here. But, you know, you know, it's funny because, I, real quickly, I remember, um, Jim, when I was coming here, we're going to talk a little bit about free agency going into it. You know, you brought me here at, as a free agent. And I remember I remember to that day and how quickly it happened and the negotiations that go along and, and how Ernie Corsi and you and we got to – and I for some reason I believe that the year before that I, the, the Giants wanted me to come here. We couldn't, couldn't work something out. But I wanted to thank you for that. But talk a little bit about, you know, I, free agency has changed tremendously. Obviously, the money is a big, big part of it. But, you know, as far as things going, talk a little bit about how free agency was when you were a head coach and then how it's changed nowadays coming up. And, of course, this is a big one because there's no CBA going into this season next after next season. So there's a lot of the money that changes hands. It's going to have to be spread out different ways. Talk to us a little bit about free agency from a head coaching's perspective. Well, I think it's good. It's obviously good for the players. Oh, I mean, yeah. when I when I played, there was no free agency. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was not. Uh, <laughs> here, here, here you go, man. You're staying here until we kick you out. But uh, uh, I think it's really good. Uh, and I was reading the paper this morning. That they're, they're, the NFL is talking about having a one more game. Yeah. You yeah. know, adding a game. And 
I think I think you know the, you know they always have back and forth you know words, but I think the league tries to do the best for the players, you know, give them the best opportunity, free agency and those type of things. I think it's really good. It's healthy and it keeps a lot of guys that uh, you know if you don't fit with one team, uh, you know, there's another team waiting there. And I can't remember if you were a free agent when you came in with us or what. Yes. But uh, it was a great opportunity for us. It was a great opportunity for you. Well, the other thing is, you know, there was no tampering back then. You know, so now, <laughs> of course, I, you know, you say that lightly, tongue-in-cheek, yeah. right? Quote-unquote. But, but I, you know, there's a tampering period now where the teams can talk to these guys for a couple of days before. How, how important is that to an organization to be able to get in front of these guys before they actually it can start? Well, yeah, I think it's good. Uh, the only thing is, I mean, you got to protect, you know, when the, who can talk to who, when, where, and all that stuff. If the guy's under contract, you right. know, things like that, that's tampering. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you got to know, and that, that now you got the uh, agent involved, you know, that maybe this player X doesn't like to be there, but he's still got a contract, and then the agent starts dealing around behind the doors and all that stuff. That's not good for football. <laughs> Yeah, you got to play by the rules, and but I think there's a, a great opportunity for a lot of guys to to play in the NFL and make it. And uh, you know, there's a lot of lorry lures in there, and and you know, it's just uh, I, I don't I think that the, the NFL is doing real well with a lot of things, and I think uh, it's it's and a lot of it is good for the players, and the players are making them do that. We're talking with former Giants head coach Jim Fossil and. Jim, while Jeff, I'm sure, would rank himself as one of the most critical additions in free agency for the Giants, of course. I would throw in another name who I think was very critical during your tenure, speaking of free agency, because of how difficult it is to find a quarterback in free agency. But bringing over Kerry Collins really built that bridge to the eventual drafting of Eli Manning. What was the thinking, what was the process like to give Kerry Collins a second chance and bring him over in 1999 after he parted ways with the Panthers, briefly was with the Saints, and really ultimately helped give you some stability at that position during your tenure? Well, yeah, and we were looking for a different quarterback. Uh, Kerry Collins uh, is very talented. Uh, he got cut by two teams. I think there were some issues there. And uh, everybody said he's not accurate and he's got a long delivery and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of the people in the building didn't believe I could do it. And uh, I needed a quarterback, okay? And I've, I've had, you know, uh, the one thing I've ever done in my life, I've uh, worked with quarterbacks and made them better. And uh, with Kerry, you know, everybody says, well, long release, he's not accurate. I said, I can change that in about two minutes. And so I brought Kerry down. To the, to the New York, we sat and talked about what it is to be a quarterback, what's this, what's that. And then I took him out on the field, and I said, uh, what I want you to do, uh, we're going to be about 15 yards apart, and uh, I want you to drop back and throw me the ball. Well, he, he carried the ball real low, real low. And, uh, and there's wind-up and stuff, and I, I set some things, I changed some things with him like that. He changed immediately. And the minute I did that, I knew that the accuracy and his delivery on uh, quickness all of a sudden came to for him. And, uh, and, I, and I talked to him. You know, you, you know, in coaching, a lot of times, you got to be like a father and talking to a guy. And, you know, he had a lot of things that happened in his life. And I said, I will have your back 
but don't come in here and say, like, you're the Savior. Just, you know, I was counseling him. And, uh, boy, was he good. He was really good. I love that man. He's, he's really a good – he was a great quarterback for us, and uh, he changed his life around, and uh, I was really happy for him. Well, speaking of counseling, I think it's very interesting, Jim, that you brought up that term because I think you can make the argument in today's NFL, not only is it critical – for a coach to develop and mentor players, but also to do the same for assistants on your staff. For example, when you were here with the Giants, you had Sean Payton and John Fox, who then went on to become head coaches themselves. And you look at Joe Judge, who now just took over as the new Giants head coach. This is his first go around. And, you know, he emphasized he wants to bring in teachers. How much did you look at your job when you were a head coach that it's not just about teaching the players, but it's also getting the members of your coaching staff ready to maybe go on to bigger and better things. Well, that, that's big. You've got, you've got to be the, the, the guys you hire, you've got to be sure they're going to be loyal, okay? And you've got, you got to be on top of things, you know, with the, with the coaches. And I remember when I brought Jim Skipper with me from uh, Arizona, and he was going to be the offensive coordinator. But he knew I was going to run the thing and call the plays and all that stuff. And then John Merrick came down and he says, you know, you just hired the first minority coordinator in the NFL. I go, wow, wow. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. And I go, are you kidding me? He says, no, the, the, the NFL said that the Jim Skipper was the first coordinator uh, in a minority, and uh, and he was a great coach. But I think – you know, you got to be able to understand, you know, how you can help your 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 staff and be responsible to their families and all that stuff. I remember one of the one of the best thing I did for the families and the women loved me. Uh, the they, uh, I, I you know, it was snowing there, and so I got a guy to clear my driveway. You know, and we we get up at five o'clock. We're at the office at six, and so there's a, a foot of snow out there. So I got a guy to do it. And I said, I'll give it. I'll give you two season tickets. He says, Oh, I'll do that for sure. <laughs> and I thought about it, and I thought, Well, what about my coaches? What about my coaches? So I got him back. And I said, I got these coaches. If you could clear all of their driveways, all right, I'll give you four tickets. <laughs> he said, I'll do that in a heartbeat. And I'll tell you what, the wives at that time loved me. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, the coach gets up and he takes off for the office at right. six, 6 o'clock in the morning and they got to go out and shovel the shovel of snow and take the kids to school. And at that time, where they were cl- uh, we were uh, clearing their driveway and she didn't have to do it. And boy, that, that was something that really all of them said, thank you. You know, you, uh, Jim, I know you still follow football quite a bit. I know that Mike's doing a uh, good job, good things there. Um, and I, you know, when you look at this Giants team, what they've done over the last four years, it's, it's, you know, it's not giant football from what we know. Um, what are some of the things that you see offensively and defensively from in the past, what the Giants have been doing and, and what's your, what's your expectations for coach judge and his staff and the Giants going forward? Well, I'll be hoping to have a success. Uh, I, I hadn't followed them real tight because my son's coaching, yeah. you know, and I, I was watching their game or I was traveling to the game and all that stuff. You know, they've had a tough time. They've had a tough time. Uh, I think that uh, Jason Garrett is going to be uh, a good addition because mm-hmm. I think he's a good coach. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, as a head coach, you know, he didn't get it done, but he's a good person. He's a smart guy. 
he will teach those quarterbacks to, you know, the, the, the system. Well, it's interesting also that you brought up Jason Garrett because I think people forget he was the backup to Kerry Collins when you were here as the head coach of the Giants. Garrett was the backup for four seasons. How valuable, Jim, was it to have somebody like Jason in the quarterback room as sort of an extension to you and an extension to the offensive coordinator? It was great. I mean, he's smart. He studies the game. Uh, You know, he's always prepared to get into that game. He really is. He's, in fact, uh, you know, uh, when we played Minnesota in the NFC Championship game, 34 to nothing at halftime, uh, I got Kerry Collins out of there. And he took the whole second half, and he handled it well. And, you know, he was always on top of things. So mm-hmm. we're out of practice. I mean, uh, a wide receiver might ask him a question, and he would spend the time to say, now, listen, if you're going to go down there, if it's cover two, you're going to make this adjustment. He, he was a, he was a coach when he was playing, a very bright guy, and and very you know he's not a screamer and yeller and cusser at guys on the field and all that stuff. He's a teacher, which that's what I respected of him. Yeah, well you know you that's and Lance had mentioned about Joe Judge wanting to bring in coaches that are going to be teachers. I think in today's world, the game has changed so much, Jim. From you know when I played and you coached these guys, it's very difficult to coach some of these guys that come in because of just the way things are. And I think the more importantly, or the more coaches that you have are able to teach the players different aspects of this game, whether it's you know on from the personal side of how football is run to on the field, how you're supposed to practice, how you're supposed to watch tape. It's so important. You touched on it about having a good staff. And a lot of times, you know, a new head coach has to put a staff together. This is the first time he's been able to have to do that. And I think loyalty is the word there. You're hoping that you get a lot of guys that are going to be in this building for a long time and that they're not going to leave you after one year. And I think that a lot of people were concerned about that with Jason Garrett coming here. You know, he's going to be here for one year and then he's going to go to another head coaching job. So, you know, you hope that Jason Garrett sticks around here for a while. And I do remember him being my teammate. You could always tell that he was going to be a coach. Because he just kind of had that demeanor around him that, you know, listen, I know more than anybody around here and even some of the coaches that are coaching me, but I'm just really happy for Jason, too. Well, I am, too. And uh, sometimes the second go-around is the better one. Sure. You learn. Oh, my gosh, yeah. If you're really smart and you, you you had a job, you got fired, then don't blame it on other people. you got to sit down to yourself and say, what should I do better if I was another head coach job? If I got another one, what do I do? You got to you know criticize yourself. Yeah. And if you can't do that, then you're not you're, got, you're not going to be a very good head coach. So I think he will surface again. Uh, and uh, you know he was as a as a player when he played for me. You know he was on top of things. You know he was he was a was a smart guy anyhow. But, I mean, uh, he was right on top of things, and he, you, you know, he, his role as a backup and be ready when you got to go in there, things like that. He was a true professional. You have had a lot of experience working with a variety of different quarterbacks, both young guys, veterans, whether it be the collegiate level, the NFL level, and the Giants now have invested in another young quarterback in Daniel Jones, and he came in two games right after Eli Manning. What is the ideal circumstance 
from your experience when it comes to grooming and working with a young quarterback? Does it pay to have the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers model where you can have a young guy sit for a few years and observe? Or does it help when it's more of a baptism by fire type of feel where you just throw the rookie right in and hopefully in the long run he's going to benefit from the early playing time? No, I I would like a guy that can come in and and take our team because, uh, you know, (laughs) For the coach and the team and everything, we can't sit around and have a guy lose <laughs> games for us. The the coach is going to be gone, you know, and all that stuff. But uh, I, you know, I was fortunate to get uh, you know, Kerry Collins was the one that I really turned around. He got fired by two teams, and he came in and he was an all star with us. Just changed some habits with him and things like that. Um, but uh, you know, uh, throughout my career, I mean, I had John. I recruited John Elway out of high school. Yeah. Coached him the whole time at Stanford. Then I had him for two years uh, at uh, Denver, and he was the AFC, you know, Player of the Year. And he wasn't playing real well uh, under Dan Reeves. And uh, and then the the one that I really enjoyed too was Boomer Esiason. You know, mm-hmm. when everybody thought he was on the, the the heap, you know, he can't play anymore. And uh, but he came in, and uh, he really, you know, he was a pro. He was smart. He wanted to be good. He took to my coaching really good and uh i think uh i don't know where it is but he calls me usually every year that he was he was like the fourth highest uh passing yards in the nfl now i'm sure some people passed that right now but uh he was a pleasure to uh, coach and he took to my coaching and he was a veteran guy and uh i remember we were playing i don't know oh we were playing the washington redskins and he started out kind of rough duty rough duty i mean he did and uh you know the head coach asked if we ought to pull him and i said no 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 i'll calm him down he'll be fine <laughs> and that's that's when he, he threw like two interceptions right off the bat and uh, at the end of the day i think i could be wrong so don't quote me on this but at the end of the day he threw for like 411 yards in the game and at that time it was the fourth highest you know and see so the, the thing is well, like with boomer you know, he still thinks that I stuck with him. You know, I stayed with him. And I think that's a big part between the head coach or the quarterback coach or whoever that is to have confidence in the guy when he's even having a tough game. Yeah, what? and you know, Jim, when you talk about these younger quarterbacks and the Daniel Jones, what would you say that is the most important thing for a young quarterback to understand quickly in the NFL today? Quickly. I mean, like, is it is it his reads at the line of scrimmage? Is it his timing in the pocket? Give me something that, that people can relate to. Well, I mean, uh, he has got to start, you know, start by understanding the playbook and the plays and where he has to go. And he's a studier. I mean, he studies, 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 studies. Okay. So he could coach the whole offense. He could coach everybody. He could tell the right guard what to do in a 22Z in you know, and all that stuff. He's on top of it. And uh, and then the other thing is, you know, a young quarterback coming in, if he has a bad game or he has, you know, this uh, first half bad thing, you got to be able to calm him down. And he's got to trust you that you're sticking with him and, mm-hmm. you know, here we go. And if he's having a bad day, then I'll give him some real easy throws and we'll run the football a little bit and try to get his confidence back. 
We're talking with former Giants head coach Jim Faso, who coached the team from 1997 to 2003, helped lead them to Super Bowl 35 following the 2000 campaign. And speaking of just evaluating players in general, we're on the brink of the scouting combine next week, Jim, and it's a piece of the puzzle, but not necessarily the entire puzzle. Clearly, the collegiate film, I would think, would take top priority over these other pieces. When you were a coach and you were going through the draft process, how much stock did you put in the measurements, the bells and whistles that come with the combine versus what you actually saw on film throughout the course of their entire season? Well, I'll take the film any day. Mm -hmm. Now, it's nice to go down there and meet the guys, and yeah. I like to sit down with a guy and say, what's your life goals? Well, if football was gone, what are you doing? What do you, what do you want to do? And, uh, you know, sometimes, and I don't mean to badmouth the scouts or something like that, but, you know, I talked to a scout one time, and it was about a quarterback, and, you know, he said, what would you think of him? I said, I, I like the guy. He's got a good quick release and stuff. And Well, he only completed uh, 11 out of uh, 20 passes. I said, well, these guys just – <laughs> they, they, they just met each other, you know. <laughs> Come on. I mean, if you're going to run it out at 12 yards and the guy's at 13 yards right. and he's underneath, I mean, you can't, you know, I want to look at the guy and see what I can make of him, okay? And I'm not going to sit there and, uh, you know, uh, scouts tell you that, well, he didn't complete these passes. He didn't look – well, these guys just met last night. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know? And so, uh, you know, you got to know what you're doing with that. Plus, you know, I think that, that taking a step further – as an extension of the evaluation process outside the combine are those pro days where you actually have some guys that are actually you've been practicing with some of his receivers, whether they're younger classmen or actually guys coming out, or he's throwing to if it's a quarterback. I think to me, Jim, I think one of the most important things at the combine and the measurables are all great that, you know, you could, you could actually stay at home and get those the next day if you wanted to. I think it's those interviews and those those questions that are asked to these athletes about, like you said, like, what do you want to do? Because you can see the drive in some of these guys. Like, you know, if it, football wasn't – if it's when football is over, I want to be this or this. That's so important in today's game because of the amount of money these guys are making, the investment, and the and also the commitment that you're going to make towards these players. It makes, it makes sense to have those interviews and see what kind of character you can get in some of these guys that you're going to draft. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, everybody's got their way to do it and all that stuff. And, yeah. You know, the, the biggest thing is you have to have camaraderie with the scouts and the coaches. And I told my coaches, we have to trust the scouts. And I talked to the scouts. you got to trust us, too. Mm -hmm. We're all in this thing together. Right. All right? And, uh, you know, but you got to believe in each other and do some things. I know when I went there, you know, George Young was a got me there as an assistant. Okay. And so this was my first rodeo uh, in pro football. And, uh, you know, George and I talked when I got there and all that. He says, you know, with the wins here and all that stuff, we need a strong-arm quarterback. That's what we got to look for. I said, okay, all right. So I went out and did my circle of uh, colleges. And uh, when I got there the first time, uh, well, the, when the coach was here before, I think it was from the Giants, uh, put you on two knees and throw the ball and see how far you can throw it on two knees. And it kind of took me by, by surprise. <laughs> okay. So I've got, I'm going, okay, I guess this is this pro football. So when I got back <laughs> off my trip, you know, I went into George's office. And George is always, he was great to me, unbelievably. When I was in college, he was calling me and seeing if I wanted to go into pro football. 
And so anyway, I went into George's offices and I said, you get it? I said, yeah, it was good, but uh, George, I don't, well, what's the deal with getting on your knees and throwing the football? <laughs> well, it's for arm strength. I said, do we have any plays where you drop back, drop to your knees and throw the ball? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he looked at me, he goes, okay, he scratches his head and he goes, how would you do it? I'd get a jugs gun like they have in baseball. Yeah. Okay? I get a jugs gun and I can, I can get the speed of the ball. That's how we tell it. And he goes, he got picked up the phone and he called the head of the scouting. Come down and he says, hey, he just came up with a great idea. You know, <laughs> and I explained to him and they said, okay. And then uh, we got a jugs gun and I went out and the first guys was Party uh, uh, Schottenheimer and Al Saunders and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and they saw me doing that. They said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm speeding the, the measuring the speed of the ball that would tell me how strong the guy's arm arm is and they go holy crap we got to get one of those <laughs> oh i thought they might have so, said oh we we have guys on their their knees throwing a thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well i thought when i got there i thought wow the nfl is really smart i guess you know i gotta, I gotta drop the guy to D, and i went no i mean he doesn't throw from his knees he throws with his feet and sure. hips and everything else so it was kind of fun. Well, with what you were just talking about, Jim, it's interesting because you were here in 91-92 as an assistant, and then obviously you came back as the head coach in 97. I'm curious, how much was that a luxury for you, that you already knew internally how the organization runs, to your point, how the scouting department works, and maybe how much did things change over the course of the five years that went by that you went to other teams? Well, as far as you're, you're talking about with New York Giants? Yeah, with the New York Giants, so, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I was there with George, and uh, George hired me as a head coach, and uh, he's he was the best. I mean, he was the best. I mean, he could talk to you and tell you what he wants to get across, not making you feel like you're wrong or anything mm -hmm. like that, but he guided me. He really, really guided me, and... uh and he listened to me. That was the biggest thing about George. If I wanted to see something, do something, or whatever, he was all about it and backing you up and all those things. And that's what you need because the general manager is not going to back you up on things. You're dead. Yeah, I mean, and listen, you know, he, he was finally put in the Hall of Fame this year. So I'm sure that you were extremely happy about him. And, you know, the longer we're all around this game, there's people you want to thank all the time. And George Young, for you, was one of them and gave you your shot and obviously believed in you, Jim. And, um, you know, we're extremely happy for him going into the Hall of Fame this year. Well, I am, too. And I got a buddy of mine in New York that uh, uh, headlined a big article on George. And uh, um, I, I've got it right here, and I'm going to frame it. And uh, the man who made the Giants. Super. Yep. <laughs> and that's right. Yeah. That's right. And uh, so, I mean, there's a long story behind that, how he got there. But, I mean, George, George was phenomenal. Phenomenal. He's, he's the most guy responsible for the Giants where they were. Okay? I swear to God. Yeah, they were pretty and, bad uh, for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, there's no doubt about it. So, uh, But George Young, uh, if every team had a George Young, uh, they would be going to the Super Bowl all the time. 
helped lay the foundation and build the blueprint for what became after him with Ernie Accorsi taking over and the Giants ultimately winning two Super Bowls. We're talking with former Giants head coach Jim Fossil. Jim, before I let you go, I think you have an interesting perspective in terms of perhaps what transpired this past season because unfortunately you were on the rough end of an officiating issue in that 2002 wild card game between the Giants and the Niners. Sean Payton was there as well. Then he goes through a similar circumstance with the NFC Championship game. And then we saw what the league did with respect to putting in review for judgment calls. As somebody on the outside looking in, what did you make of what the league did to try to correct the wrong and really the impact that technology is having on today's NFL overall? Well, I think they've adjusted to some things, and I think it's good for football. I mean, you know, it's hard to pin everything down with everything, but, I mean, you've you got to let the you know the the players play and the coaches coach and the refs they do that it's never going to be a perfect thing they're going to find something else and when you were talking about that they can make some changes if you remember the playoff game is that what you're talking about our playoff game with you're, the 49ers correct yeah yeah well they you know that they screwed that one up <laughs> and it was the last play of the game and uh there was a penalty and they said there was a penalty on the giants and they took off. They just left. Yeah. And uh, when they got in the locker room, the head referee said, well, what did you have? He said, I had an illegal man downfield on the Giants. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he was checked in eligible. Yeah, Richie he Sorber. He was an eligible guy. And uh, so then they changed the rule that if there's a penalty on the last play of the game, then uh, all the referees are going to huddle up. What did you see? Did you call it? Did you call it? Did you see it? No, I, I called it. What did you see? And they won't leave the field until they've said, we've got it correct, now we leave the field. But that, I couldn't catch those guys. If I, I, I could run faster than all the referees, but I couldn't catch them. You're late for their flight. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, it was, uh, yeah, and Richie Soiber tells that story, you know, fondly. He understands what happened there. And he said he was wide open and he would have caught the ball for a touchdown. That's what he would or at least for a first down. So. You know, Richie, one of our... Well, we were on the one-yard line. I don't yeah. think he would have had... All right, for a touchdown then, yeah, because he was pretty he was pretty, pretty mad about it. And so, you know, I, I think that, you know, and then the year after, as um, fortunately, I was able to come to the Giants after that. So that was... That, yeah. What year? That was 02. That was 02, correct. Yeah. And then you yeah. came in 03, and then I'm sure Jim wouldn't have had to get well, you to understand that on a third down, you can actually down the ball and live right. to see another down. Well, that's funny uh, because that play was, there was a lot of things going on. One, the ruling. And the second thing was that for, forever, all 32 teams practiced that, you know, if you're going to kick a field goal, do it on third down. You, 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 and the holder could have just easily just spiked the ball and you had an, an extra down. I don't know how much time was left in the clock, but that's just one of those things you go over in the special teams meeting constantly understanding situational football. Tom Coughlin was the best at that. He put these situations on Fridays. There was always situations that came up in games that we were aware of so that we understood it. Whether it ever came up or not, I don't know. But the fact is you knew about it just in case. All right. Well, Jim, greatly appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks so much for joining us and look forward to talking to you down the road. Hey, great to talk to you guys. You guys got great questions. Love appreciate it. that, Coach. Well, it was a great conversation. You made it real easy for us and hope to speak to you down the road. Jim, Thank you for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast, and we appreciate you being with us on Giants.com and the mobile app. 
And as a reminder, the show is also available on all popular podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe. To find all our Giants podcast offerings, go to Giants.com slash podcasts. I'm Lance Meadow. We'll speak to you next time right here on the Giants Huddle Podcast.